Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can all fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore Tomahawk. Gianna is on the Twitter tonight, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. If you've, and if you thought you all knew uh, what fear was, you haven't had your roommate have one of the worst cases of the flu that I have ever seen, and you cannot afford to catch the FS flu this week, because that, my friends, is the true definition of fear. Welcome to the show, everyone. Very glad that you can join us here uh, on The Voice of Florida State. It's felt like a quiet week in the sports world, but we've definitely had some fireworks in the past few hours. And, of course, both men and women's basketball both had weeks, uh, uh, up weeks, rather, in the season. That has been definitely one of ups and downs. We are going to get into both men and women's basketball tonight. It's going to be a very, very basketball-centered kind of show. That, of course, in preparation for the fact that a majority of next week's show will be dedicated to the Super Bowl. But... With all of that being said, let's chop right into the show. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined once again, returning to the co-host chair after his two-week morning hiatus of the Saints <laughs> being robbed of a Super Bowl. Chris Camacho, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Again, I, w- I want to go back to a question I asked you earlier. Uh, did the Saints get robbed, yes, or fire Roger Goodell? Uh, fire Roger Goodell. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no no words coming out of that, that petition that, uh, that I think Ben Watson... Okay, I'm sorry. Even as a Saints fan, that whole lawsuit that they have... Like, I, listen, I'm over it. I've, I've as Are as, you? A, as a Dodger fan and as a Saints fan, after two years of disappointment from both teams, I'm over it. Look, guys, if Chris just starts breaking down in the middle of the show, you got to give him a little it's bit of a break. It's just been an emotional past few years. Yeah. I don't know. Man. <laughs> <Appreciate> <laughs> a few years. Uh, making his return to the panel tonight, we have Austin Reynolds. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. And in regards to whether the Saints were robbed or not. If that play was reviewable, then there would have been at least two penalties, I believe, or one penalty and a ball being batted down at the line of scrimmage that would have just negated the play. Mm-hmm. So I would not say the Saints were robbed. Wow. Coming okay. from coming from a Falcons fan's mouth. For so the first okay. time on Tomahawk right, right. Talk, a panel is kicked off. For the, for the first, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need a bouncer in the studio right now. Luke, can you come out of the Shark Tank and make sure that there's not a death in the studio? Um, and making his Tomahawk Talk debut tonight, Mr. Tyler Phillips. Welcome to the show. Very glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. And um, as far as the Saints uh, are concerned, I'm a Saints fan myself. And to be... Um, you're outnumbered, to, Austin. Yes, you're outnumbered. To be frank, um, I believe they were robbed. Um, blatant pass interference. And, and even then, it's helmet to helmet. So Blatant face mask against Jared Goff. What okay. Can I say? <laughs> okay. I will say they weren't robbed. Okay. But. It's two weeks later. And there's still this amount of... I'm still uh, crying. <laughs> it's two years later, and people still make 28 to 3 jokes. Yeah, but that's acceptable. And <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, that's uh, very sad. Anyways, uh, Chris Camacho, Austin Reynolds, Tyler Phillips, and once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a, t- a look at the past week in sports, rip the top stories, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show and tonight it's been widely considered for many years now that anthony davis is one of the few nba superstars that could potentially be the successor to the throne in terms of being the best player in the league and just a couple of hours ago i think it was earlier this morning davis informed the new orleans pelicans that he would like to be traded and uh 
that he does not wish to sign a contract extension with the franchise this summer. Of course, it's been rumored all season that the Lakers have been eyeing Davis as a potential playing partner for LeBron James. Guys, this is a pretty simple off-the-talk segment tonight. Where does Davis land, and does he land there before the trade deadline on February 7th? I'll start with Chris. Man, it's just been not a couple of good weeks for New Orleans. <laughs> no, it really really hasn't been. But um, listen, I think... I think LeBron James is aiming for what would it be his his tenth consecutive return to the NBA Finals, something like that. It's a ridiculous if, if, number. If he if the Lakers were to go to the NBA Finals, I think it could happen if Davis joined L.A. Um, that being said, though, as as great as that sounds as a, as a Los Angeles Lakers fan, I, I think long term you'd be getting rid of. Oh, well, listen, we can get we can get rid of Lonzo. I personally don't care for the, for the ball family in general. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Zubak, I think, would be a big loss. But most importantly, I think you'd be losing a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who has completely like, last year when everybody, when all the expectations were high for Lonzo, Kuzma, I think, proved to be the true, uh, m- most valuable rookie on that team. Um, and I think you're you're throwing away the future if he ends up in Los Angeles. Austin, see, I I don't really think that a, a move to the Lakers would be the best for uh, for the Lakers because they'd be giving up three, four, at the very least, players just right. to bring in Anthony Davis. And a so. first-round pick. And Probably. a first-round pick, yeah. Um, I, if I had to pick, I would say that this is the time that the Knicks finally get their guy. I don't know if it'll be at the trade deadline or at the end of the season, but it, it, it seems like every time a big-name free agent or a big-name player wants to be traded, uh, the Knicks are in the conversation. <laughs> so I think this is finally the time that those rumors get put to rest. New York teams, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was not at all directed towards Gianna on the Twitter handle. Love, love you, Gianna. Gianna, okay. you can go ahead and bash Chris in whatever way <laughs> yeah, you really, wish I on Twitter. I can't really be s- uh, Tyler, what do you think? Uh, well, um, you know, like like it's been said, uh, the Lakers really will ha- would have to give up a whole lot to get Anthony Davis. But let me also say this. Anthony Davis is only 25. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, and, and as far as the Knicks are concerned, I mean, the Knicks are 10 and 38 I mean, do they really want to make this move? Um, I, I don't know. Is it going to really improve them? Is, is Anthony Davis going to be content there? That's the question. Because, I mean, the reason he's living the Pelicans is because he's not happy. They make first-round exits in the playoffs, um, you know, not surrounded by a great group of players. Now Julius Randle has had a better year. Um, you know, I just don't see him going to the Knicks either. I, I, 76ers are in the question, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know yet. We're gonna we're gonna follow this story, but yeah, I don't see the Lakers or the, the Knicks really pick him up. A D so. Jimmy Butler and uh Embiid would be quite the trio. That would be, wow. be that would be a front court nightmare. <laughs> um for everyone in the for, East. <laughs> for everybody in the East. And when it when it comes to the Lakers, I think Chris, you were alluding to it a little bit. The Lakers have a peculiar situation of their guys there. The guy they've been talking about getting is there for the taking and it just feels like this is the worst time that it could be there for them because they would have to give up so much when a lot of the Lakers are injured right now Mm -hmm. there's a lot of injuries on that team so who would you realistically think about giving up you have Zubak who's been playing above above his potential the past couple sure. of weeks uh and the one person that you really don't want to get rid of is kyle kuzma because right. that is the guy that you take a look at and you say okay i see the flashes of greatness he is the third man and he's still a fantastic player that can get his shots when he needs to mm-hmm. i i don't see davis going to the lakers without kuzma leaving and i don't think that magic johnson is going to let kuzma go so enter the boston celtics who do not only have a plethora of talent uh on the bench 
uh, some of us basically a rotation of players that you could draw straws every single given night and still get probably the same results you have the Celtics that have a bunch of young uh, talent but you also have uh, the Celtics who still have draft picks from the worst trade in NBA history when uh, the Nets gave them everything and 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 a bag of chips for uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce who of course that trade made the Celtics the monstrosity that they are today you have the Celtics that have all this talent and if I'm if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, that is where I'm looking, but you won't be able to get that trade done yep. until it's after the deadline because of contract issues with Kyrie. It's not it's like it's an issue the, in the Kyrie's ha- in Kyrie's happening er, happiness there, but it's the rules in uh, illegality and you know being actually able to make that trade. So I didn't even realize the Rose Rule was a was a thing. I hadn't heard about that. Oh, it's a it's a it's a very real thing, and it's the only thing that's keeping the uh, the Warriors from becoming even scarier than they already are. But with that all being <laughs> said, I don't see a move for Davis happening before the deadline I think this is obviously Davis still has uh, some time left on his contract and he's giving probably the earliest warning that he possibly could have that he wants to get out of New Orleans he will do that it's not going to be before the trade deadline it's not going to be to the Lakers and that's going to stink for them Uh, the Knicks don't to what you were saying Austin the Knicks don't have the talent they have a couple of bust draft picks on their team that nobody's really going to want to flirt with they're not going to get their guy there but I was going to say I will say we were talking about this before the show if if AD were to go to Los Angeles, could you imagine a Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors? There's, and you've got Boogie against mm, AD also? There, yeah. Yeah, there is that. that there is that. I'm, I'm saying for entertainment value. That would be that would be a lot of fun. It would take a a lot a lot to do that to get yes. that there. But for entertainment purposes purposes, that would be uh, very entertaining. So with that being said, that was the off the top segment. Uh, presented by me, sponsored by me, uh, answered by our panelists. I, th- I think you need a little theme song to go with that, Nick. I think <laughs> I do as well. Um, so moving on, it, it, like I said, it was a, a very, very uh, basketball-centered show. And the up-and-down season that both men and women have had, uh, Austin, it, it's literally a week-by-week thing uh, in terms of at least my perspective on how this team is performing, or both teams are performing, rather. And... It, it really, it really, I guess, goes hand in hand with how you feel about the entire athletics um, in general at that point. It, it's, it's kind of a bouncing ball. But to the point, the women had a very, very tough challenge this, uh, this week. You know, starting off the week against number four ranked Louisville, not many people were really uh, expecting that to go Florida State's way. But it, it was definitely a loss that these ladies can learn from. I do agree with that. I mean, any time that you're going up against a team ranked as highly as number four, then pretty much the entire world is going to be uh, against you. But I think it showed, that loss showed a lot of promise. Uh, there's a lot to be gleaned from that. Um, I don't really have an idea of what their schedule looks like in the near future, um, how many ranked opponents they play in the, in the coming weeks or whatever. But I would keep an eye on them. They, they're showing signs of, like, flaring up. And uh, before we continue on with that, we do have a caller coming in. I believe we have Clint Island on the other side of the phone. Clint, how are you tonight? What question do you got for us? I'm a pretty good Nick. Now, I know you're all talking about women's basketball, uh, Florida State basketball, and I, I do have a question about FSU basketball and Tennessee basketball, if that is okay. And Tennessee, well, <laughs> since you asked so kindly. All right, so FSU basketball, uh, there was that announcement uh, one of their top players actually is now out for the year. Uh, for for, ten, uh, for, for see, uh, here it is, Amaya Brown. Okay. 
And I wonder how, you know, how what do you think is going to happen now that she's out? You know, she was that freshman guard, and I knew that she uh, started to kind of, like, make an impact. So that's my first question. You know, what do you think the ceiling is for women's basketball with her out? And then my second question is, why is Tennessee not fired their head coach, the women's <laughs> basketball head coach? She's like one in four in SEC play. <laughs> Clint always coming in with the uh, the Tennessee question. Well, the ceiling is definitely, you could say, tainted now that she's out. And um, it's going to be very, very difficult going uh, the rest of the way for that team in particular. But as for the head coach, I really, I honestly cannot give you a solid answer. As with most things that are Tennessee, uh, as you know, uh, for, for being on the show uh, with you as long as I was, uh, it's an absolute head scratcher over there in volunteer land. And it's, it's, there's really no clear answer to that question. Uh, hopefully that you have a better idea than I do. All right. Well, I was just looking for clarification. Thank you for taking my call. Long time listener, <laughs> long time caller. Uh, thank you so much for calling Clint. Miss you brother. Have a good one. Got you around. All right. So moving back on, I was in, in the middle of, um, of uh, women's basketball there so talking to you Austin about what the Louisville game was like for 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 these women nobody really thought that Florida State was going to come in and win this game and it really wasn't a close game but I as Sue Simmer said and I think as everybody was expecting and Tyler I'm going to pass this to you this is definitely the the game that was going to teach these ladies the most that out of any game that they were going to play this season especially with the way that a lot of the tough tough losses have come for them well, yeah, and and um, I, I want to point out, you know, some statistics there. Thirty-two percent from the floor. Um, you know, their leading scorer went off with for twenty-nine points. Um, Asia Durr. Yeah, Asia Durr. Absolutely uh, outstanding. Absolutely, and so you know, this is a very good moment to learn, um, you know, what it takes uh, to win, and and I think you know, you look at Asia Durr, and and being able to defend. Um, you know, the rest of the team, let's just put it out there as, you know, two peer, people were in double digits for Louisville. You know, we shut down the rest of the team, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, this is definitely a learning moment. Building on this, you know, um, being able to improve um, from the first quarter to the second quarter, um, you know, having some people in double digits. I think um, this is, like Sue said, uh, Coach Sue said, you know, this is definitely a learning moment. Florida State and right. just and just taking a look before I'll get to you Chris just taking a look at the stats I mean and this was just this was a tough game and of course that goes without saying I've said it already in a couple of different ways already this show but just to show you how tough of a game this was for Florida State uh, they shot three for 18 from three-point range mm-hmm. the entire game and that's just abysmal shooting I think they shot even worse or somebody shot even worse that might have been men's basketball later in the in the game later in the week but it, it was almost Chris a difficulty that was good for this basketball team. It wasn't yeah. too difficult to where you say, well, they're going to get the pants beaten off of them and they're not going to learn anything from it. This w- I think this was the right amount of difficult, and I think that especially when you take a look at the game that they had later in the week versus Virginia Tech, a fantastic comeback win, as we'll get into here in a couple minutes. It, it really, I think, gave them a lot of opportunity to improve, and I think they did it immediately. Right, absolutely. And, you know, Valencia Myers was in the – she was in the press conference after. Um, and when when – she was asked how she felt about per- her performance and what she could take away. She said, honestly, she felt great. She felt really good about how she performed. It, it was It's a tough team. You're playing against the number four team in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the way I described this game before um, was that it's almost a role reversal compared uh, a, a, yeah, a role reversal compared to, to the last year when Florida State played Louisville. Uh, Florida State was ranked 12th. 
and Louisville was ranked two. And it was a one-point victory at Louisville. But you also had the likes of Shaquilla Thomas. You had Imani Wright. You know, Shatrice White. You, AJ Alex. You have all these all these very experienced, extremely talented players who have been playing uh, college women's college basketball for years. And it's almost like starting over. And you're playing against an even more experienced Louisville Cardinals team. So I can't say that this loss is surprising, especially not in the fashion that it happened. But... I think uh, that these women can take a lot from it. And I think that they definitely did, as I alluded to. And then moving on to the Virginia Tech game, uh, I was correct when I said that they shot even worse from three-point percentage, uh, three-point land uh, against the Hokies. They, they shot 9.5%. That's two for 21. Uh, and Nia Wolfel comes in with uh, the Wonder Woman cape and saves this basketball team uh, from back-to-back losses. And... Uh, Austin, I'm curious to get this uh, your opinion on this. Was this the most important game for this team this season thus far? I mean, you could say that about like every game that is the most recent game, but <laughs> the the end game sequence there was just so unusual to me. Like, it, I'm reading up on it on ESPN because I don't remember that much from when I did watch it. But um, the un- the unsportsmanlike conduct call that led to uh, a couple free throws for Florida State, and then uh, the Virginia Tech player missing both of her free throws. So a, a lot of factors did kind of just by chance go Florida State's way but it was a very a very close game throughout I would and, say yeah. oh I'm sorry no go ahead go ahead I was just gonna say I, I would say it was most important for appearance and maybe reputation purposes mm-hmm. Florida State women's basketball is still undefeated on the road right, right. and I think showing that strength on the road uh, that's impressive it's obviously you know you talk about home court advantage um, all three losses have come at home right and my, my biggest criticism of the team thus far this season, um, and we all know what this team is, young team, four freshmen say it on the show almost every single week, talking about what this team is. And I've said on record, what, if Nikki Komu is not scoring, if Kia Gillespie isn't scoring, who's scoring? And I was very, very happy and delighted to find out, hey, you know, there's somebody else who could shoot the basketball. You know, when given the opportunity, and Neil Wolfolk came in, as I said, with the Wonder Woman cape, shot 10 for 19, 27 points, and did lead this team back to a victory on the road. And for me, that's that. knowing that it came after the Louisville game, Chris, is what is so exciting to me because it really – you can often see when teams are ready to learn now or whether they're going to uh, look at the season post-mortem and take a look and then say, okay, well, here's this from that, and there's this from that, and I generally have more experience. And I'm I'm excited that this team is learning as fast as it is, especially with the loss. Like, as I said, they came at the hands of Louisville. Now, uh, Tyler, I'm, I'm interested to see to hear what you uh, have to say. Move, move, moving forward uh, with this team, obviously they did get it, just got a fantastic win on the road. Is this Is this going to level out? the the kind of the bumpy trajectory that this team has had over the past couple weeks or do you think it's going to continue to be the up and down season it's been well if we get um you know if we get Wolfork's uh production that we did in this game i definitely can see us um continuing to uh, pump out the wins um we have a tough game coming up in miami um you know and then we have a, a a tough game um you know, versus well, actually, Wake is not that. You know, they're ten and ten. But um, you know, just being able to produce week in and week out, I think this will. Um, this is a big win. That they, Coach Sue talked about growing, and um, you know, we were down. We were facing adversity. Um, the team was facing adversity, and they found a way to win. And and that's big on the road. You know, you're in a hostile environment, 
And, um, you know, like they said, like you said, um, you know, we're, we're, our three losses came on the road. So we got to find a way to continue to win on the road um, because, you know, half your games are played on the road. So Right. And uh, speaking of, I guess, turning the corner, uh, switching over to men's basketball, they had a gigantic game Tuesday night against the Clemson Tigers, uh, you know, riding, a, a, or I guess, you can, I don't know if you would say riding, riding's the, I guess, the more positive term when you have a streak of some kind. But uh, having a, a three-game losing streak, of course, you know, you talk about the devastation that was uh, the Dute heartbreaker and then the couple of trap games against Pittsburgh and Boston College had their best game of the season. Uh, unfortunately for Florida State, the night that they played them. And then you come to the Clemson Tiger game Tuesday night, down 41-35 to at halftime, and you're thinking, okay, well, we're well on our way to a fourth straight loss. Uh, and then, obviously, something changed, Chris. I mean, it, 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 the, the Knowles, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, they came back. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that's it's, uh, it's been that ability to shift gears. I think we, have, we haven't seen – a lot of production from the people that we've expected to see. I know Terrence Mann is going through some issues of his own, but I think this team is just so deep and that ability to play and, 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 you know, coaches, coach Ham's ability to get these guys in the right mindset has, has gone a long way in shifting that mentality. Um, you know, fee, fee just continues to impress me week in and week out. Um, and, and, yeah, I, <laughs> I was going with that. I mean, I mean, he's I'm totally he, lost my train He's of absolutely impressive, and and I think the the depth that you spoke of, I think over the past couple of games, that depth hasn't been there for Florida State. And you know, you could preach it into the wall about how the depth is something special with this team, and then you finally see it that Tuesday night against uh, the Clemson Tigers, who of course they they had a fantastic year last year, but they are not the same team that they were. Um, obviously, it's year to year. Um, right. But you you look at the you look at the production off the bench, uh, Raekwon Gray uh, seven points, Kevin Gelly seventeen, David Nichols having his best game of the season sixteen, Vassell got some playing time, Tyler, th- there was some great production off the uh, off the bench this game. Yeah, who is this team? I mean, uh, th- <laughs> let, let me be let me let me just say that is this looked like a completely different Florida State basketball team than we saw against Boston College and Pittsburgh. Um, this looked like the Duke game times two. We were able to finish it out. Um, you know, great shooting from the three-point line, great shooting all around. Um, it, I could not point out a single facet of the game where we lost. Yes, we were down at halftime, but I think Clemson played one of their best halves of basketball. Yes, uh, you know, Clemson's in the bottom of the you know ACC, but any ACC team we play is is ability their ability to win. It, it it's there. You know, their ACC is the probably the best conference in America and so I just this is this is a great sign for things to come this is the meat of the 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 schedule and so this is the great place to turn it around Austin have your your I guess concerns about the team subsided with these string of victories or are you still kind of cautious I'm still cautious because I mean I would like to be optimistic about the team and I am after these last two victories but you can't erase the I believe two and four conference record that we have right now, or three and four. It's three and four uh, now, three, but three you're four, one, you're one away after that disastrous start. You're one away from going back to 500, and that definitely means something. True, true. And uh, during the Clemson game, I was following along with the uh, the FSU Hoops Twitter account, and throughout the first half, uh, a lot of the replies to their uh, their posts were very anti Hamilton, like fire Hamilton. Oh, he can't coach this team. Never makes halftime adjustments. And I'm just happy that he was able to prove those people wrong over the course of the second half because. Like we've said, they played great defense. They shot well from three. I believe 10 from 22. 
or 10-4-22, rather. So just great halftime adjustments there. And then the Miami game, which I guess we'll get into later, that was very uh, pleasing as well. And by later, you mean right now? Right now, <laughs> right, okay. right now. Uh, and I think the story, maybe it's not the biggest one. Of course, you know, Florida State uh, boomed out to a gigantic lead in the first half. I believe 15 points mm-hmm. uh, was the highest. But I think the big story from this game is MJ Walker returning and finding his, his shooting touch once, once again. At times for Florida State this season, Chris, MJ Walker has been a bit of a, uh impediment to the progress and the flow of this basketball team. And it was really, really fantastic to finally, I guess, I think he would think so too, to finally see some baskets or some balls going in the basket. Uh, he shot 7 for 10, uh, 6 for 7 from three-point range, which he was scorching hot, 22 points overall. What does it mean for him that he that he had this type of game? Well, you know, MJ Walker's one of your young guys on the team still. He he was, he was I would say, one of the standouts last year as a, as a freshman, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So he's coming this year as sophomore, and, and, and for him to find that touch at this point in the season, uh, I think it's huge. Uh, you've got two very important games. Clem- I think the win against Clemson, you needed to prove – that you weren't completely out of the ACC race, and the win away against Miami, you needed to prove that you can win on the road, period. Um, and I think MJ Walker played a pivotal role in that Miami win, and I think if he can keep that up consistently, uh, teams are going to have a hard time defending from beyond uh, three-point. And I, as I said earlier, what's really been present about this week, and I, I, I laugh at the thought of saying, well, this week in Florida State basketball, because it really is a week-by-week basis, what is ever so present about this week of Florida State men's basketball is that the bench appears to be back. Now, the big conversation last week was, okay, well, Cabin Gelly is playing out of his mind. He continues to impress. He continues to display that he his next-level talent. But the thing that the panel universally last week agreed upon was that, well, the bench isn't strong enough right now in order to uh, advocate starting him. So uh, I, I ask you, Austin and, and uh, Tyler, before we go to break, now that we've seen kind of the bench get the, get the WD-40 back on the wheels, is there greater moment, or I guess uh, petitioning to put Cabin Gelly in the starting spot instead of Kamaji? I think there's definitely going to be some of that. But, I mean, if the formula that you're, that you're working with for the past two games has been leading to success, then I don't think you deviate from that. Like, if Komachi does start to, uh, to stumble again, then you might think of a change. But, I mean, having him come off the bench and provide a spark to this team uh, late in halves, I think that's that's the best formula we have right now. Tyler? Um, had we lost this 